this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert, coming at you with a new episode after a successful Phillies homestand. Last week, we were talking how the Phillies needed to get things back on track. They had some inferior opponents coming into town at Citizens Bank Park in the Marlins and the Washington Nationals, and they took care of business going 5-1. and one. They sweep out the Nationals, even though Sunday was a little hectic after a very, very, very long rain delay. The longest probably any of those players have seen in their lives, but they're able to create some energy, pull out a win, and have a successful stand at Citizens Bank Park. So to get into it, I have my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, what do you think of this performance over the last week or so from the Phils? I think it was encouraging for sure. I think one of the more important things was the way that they played yesterday, Sunday. And we've talked a lot. The narrative around this team has been a lot. Well, it's not even really that because it's kind of true that they win the first two games of a three game set and then they come out and they look lackadaisical in the last and they just can't finish off the sweep. But yesterday they had what they were they were. They, they halted the game for like three and a half hours, something crazy like that. They were down four to one. It felt like yet another one of those games. And then all of a sudden they come back with, you know, big three run homer by Reese Hoskins, two run homer by Alec Bohm. And that was the kind of thing where, again, you don't want to, you don't want to really blow too much out of proportion when it comes to the Washington nationals, because that team is so bad, but it was good to see them. If you're, if you're looking in the last few weeks of the season to be like, this team still has some flaws on the intangible side of things and you want to see them, you know, tweak some of those things up. That was one of the more important things that I think will help them not just make the playoffs down the stretch, but also like learn how to win some of the games that you don't really feel like must win games. um, If that makes, makes any sense. So I thought it was good to see them. It was important to see them come out and come back and win that game, especially because it was against the nationals who are, as I said, terrible. And also because it would have felt the same way it did after, what was it, Thursday when the Phillies blew that game against the Marlins where they won two out of three, but after that game, it didn't really feel like they won two out of three games just because like they had that game and then they blew it and it was like the Marlins and it wasn't a game that they should have lost at all. And it would have felt the same way if they had won two out of three to the Nationals because it may be even worse because the Nationals are so bad. So four and two on that homestand would have felt underwhelming I guess in a weird way even though that's like 667 ball but to win five of six and basically erase whatever they did on the west coast road trip was big yeah I agree and to go back um, to your point about Sunday like it's a big game to just be able to finish off the nationals there against a team that's not as good as them but they there was a lot going on the long rain delay Nola goes out there, he starts, and then they don't play for, what, three hours, over three hours before they get back on the field. So he's not good to go. Um, and they're able to they're able to come back and, and pull out a win, which was, which was really big for all the reasons you mentioned. I had a couple other points about Sunday's game. Um, the point's not actually, like, really about the game, just 
so I understand that like baseball tickets are expensive and like you want to get your money's worth, but how was anyone at that game by the end? Like how, how did anyone stay for that? If, unless you were like working this game, I don't under, I, I props to those people. Maybe it probably helped that. I think they put the Eagles game on the scoreboard for during the rain delay. So like if you could find a spot undercover, could just watch that for a while, but then there was like almost an hour to kill before the Phillies game started back up. I guess once you're at that point, you're probably in too deep to leave. I guess is, yeah. is the argument. If they well, also they <laughs> only played like two innings when they when they paused the game. So maybe if they would have played five or six, they would have felt like they got something out of it. But they played two innings and then they paused it, dude. If they make the playoffs for the first game in twelve years, eleven years, twelve years, eleven years. Those fans, like it, it's for them. Like those fans deserve yeah. it more than the any, people who stuck around else. for that. Yeah, I, I, I do get it. Like if you paid money for tickets, you don't get to, especially if you don't go to a lot of games. It would be unfortunate to leave after two innings or whatever, and then yeah. they, they finish it. And oh man, I can't imagine. It's very fun. Why did, did Nola they... start that game? So I, I saw something um, that they, they didn't think it would rain as hard as it did. Yeah. And, Which like and... I get, but hold on. Here's, here's my thing. Okay, sure. But if you're going to pause the game for three and a half hours, it couldn't have been that unexpected, right? I saw something um, that Thompson said that one time when he was the Yankees bench coach, they tried to they tried to do that where they started a reliever because they thought that um, they, th- they thought that it was going to like get rained out early into the game. And Ian Kennedy, I think was supposed to start. And then it basically like turned into a bullpen game because they never called the game. And then they put in Ian Kennedy in like the seventh inning and they were already losing by a bunch. So that okay. I guess, sure. I don't I don't know if that can be like your reasoning to to throw out your your game plan because something burned you like a decade ago. Well, okay, sure. But <laughs> let's say they start the game, they start like Nick Nelson, I don't know. And then you get to the fourth inning and it's like, okay, maybe they're not gonna stop the game. Like put in Nola then, because at that point you can probably see I'm no I'm no meteorologist, but is that is that people who do rain stuff? When you can you can see like it's probably passed by now. If they haven't stopped the game now, they're not going to stop the game later. Now it's the fourth inning. We can put in Nola to finish the game off or throw four or five innings, whatever it might be. Like it it feels like everybody knew like there were questions about fitting the game in at all, and then they were saying that they would wait all day if they had to because there was no other time to make it up on the schedule. Except it they both had like an the off way- day the next day. <laughs> it it just it felt like the way people were talking about it. No, the Marlins that they were playing the Nationals. Never mind. It felt like the way people were talking about it. Like the only people who didn't think it would get stopped, what was like Rob Thompson and the Phillies, which maybe <laughs> they need to invest more in their in their weather forecasting department. But it's not, it's, it's not just, a, it's, it's not an exact science to quote the 2008 um, World Series documentary. The Phillies heads head groundskeeper they're talking about game five and he's like yeah it's forecasting it's not an exact science all right i guess <laughs> hey it, it 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 limited nola's workload which has been a topic of, of late so yeah, yeah sure sure and they got the win so i guess it works out 
Uh, yeah. The other thing maybe I wanted also, to add, maybe it's also you don't want to like throw him off of his like routine or whatever, because you know starting pitchers are people of of routine and habit, yeah. and you don't. I think get I weird. think in in the three hours he would have had enough time to do his whole routine. Whatever, it feels different. So, Eight minutes talking about a rain delay. <laughs> wait, so I wanted. I, I still have more on this game, on like TV and the highlights and and everything. The crack of the bat was so loud because there was no one there. Like the Alec Bohm opposite field home run was like the most loud, crisp crack of a bat that I've ever heard. Everyone should go back and watch that highlight. It sounds so good. I just want to add that. With Scott Fransky on the call too. Yeah. It, it, it was like, that's what the homers were like in 2020. When yeah. Just, just no one was there. And it's like, wow, like you can really just hear like, it's cool. People say like, um, and it's true. Like certain batters, um, or like certain hit balls, like it just has a different sound, and you can like you just have a better chance to hear it like on the broadcast. Um, like a good one just sounds different when there's nothing else, kind of drowning out the sound. It's cool. Yeah, makes for a good viewing experience. I got I got nothing else to add. Well said, Ty. <laughs> All right. Um. So, what do you want to get into now? I guess. One of the bigger stories is that closer Sir Anthony Dominguez is back. We talked last week about how not only is he out, but when he isn't in the bullpen, it kind of throws off all their plans where they kind of have some tough choices to throw guys with less back end of the bullpen experience, or they have to, throw David Robertson for long outings and it's uh, come back to bite them a few times where just having Sir Anthony looking like himself in the back of the bullpen just makes everything so much easier. Things just fall into place. Um, And then also he, for like a big part of the season was one of the better relievers in, in the NL. So I think it's, it's obvious like that's huge. Um, addition back into the into the picture but yeah what do you just do you have anything on just his return in general maybe how he looked coming back yeah it's 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 huge I almost want to go as far as to say like getting Zach Wheeler back whenever he comes back will be great but I almost feel like getting Sir Anthony back is bigger in some ways because I don't know Falter's been pitching pretty well and those guys have been pretty good obviously when they get to the playoffs and you have like Ranger Suarez starting a game two and then like Noah Syndergaard starting a game three because Zach, Zach Wheeler's out. It's a different story. But for now, that was an, uh, you know, a return that they needed to get as soon as possible. And it was almost like the, the bullpen still felt fine, but it felt a little out of place because you had like seventh inning guys pitching eighth inning roles and then eighth inning guys pitching ninth inning roles. And there was one spot on, I think it was Saturday, I want to say Friday or Saturday when you had Nick Nelson coming in to record the save when God, who pitched that that inning? Roberts? No, Brogdon. Somebody, somebody kind of kind of struggled. But the Nick Nelson game away. The Nick Nelson save, the one out save. Yeah. Was, was hand. And Brad Hand. Look, he did hit Brad Hand. An- yeah. Another scoreless outing for Brad Hand. Another- he's, had, he's had he's had a bunch of those this year where he allows a bunch of base runners. Um, or not like a bunch, but a couple of base runners and only pitches like a third or two thirds of an inning, and somebody comes in and, and works out of it and there it is, another scoreless appearance for for Hand. Meanwhile, he'll he'll come in with a guy on first and two outs and allow him to score it. Yet it's not his yes. run. Yeah, and look, 
Nick Nelson hit 98 in that save and he threw like three pitches, two or three to get that save. And it all worked out fine. It still felt a little, Hmm. Nick Nelson is coming in to preserve this one or two run lead. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this with the winning run. I think it was at the plate or on de- No, it was definitely either at the plate or on first. So that's a problem that they probably won't have anymore because, because if, uh, Sir Anthony struggles to put away a ninth inning. They can just bring in David Robertson, who ideally now I've said this in like three straight pods and it's all I tweet about is ideally now he won't be throwing 40 pitches one day and then coming back on to get a 26 pitch save the next day, because that's not how you want a reliever to throw ever. And he didn't yeah. really look all that great. The last few times he had done that, he threw, like, I think he had a day off before all of his outings in the last week or so, but he just still didn't look all that great uh, because he would get a day off after throwing, as I said, 41 and then 26 uh, two days prior. And then yesterday, Sunday, he comes in after two or three days off and he's strikes out the side and he looks great. So hmm, yeah. I wonder if there's something to that. The the move the the decision I'm a little curious about was they sent down Vinny Natoli when they brought Sir Anthony back, which like I guess it makes sense. I would have does Connor Brogdon not have any options left or something like that because he doesn't look right right now and it would be nice if they were allowed to to like if if he had the options left to let him get things right in AAA or whatever and then have him back for the playoffs because he could be a weapon that he's just not right now. I think maybe the thing with Brogdon is that they, he seems like, seems he's throwing ninety four. Yes, part of it is like he's just not been effective. But then he kind of seems like a confidence guy sometimes, and they mm-hmm. like they maybe don't want to send him down for right now, and then he has to be down for two weeks, and then you know next thing you know it's the last week of the season, and if he it doesn't respond well to that send down. Like maybe they just don't want to mess with him too much and hope he can figure it out while he's still up. That could be part of it maybe. Yeah. But that's another thing where it doesn't seem like there's a right answer for him right now, other than he needs to just get his stuff back. I don't know like what the fix is. I don't know if it's mechanical or maybe he's hurt, but yeah, that, that definitely um, creates a challenge because for a while, for, like a good portion of the summer, the way that that Rob Thompson was going to Brogdon was like he he was using him in really big spots and he put a lot of trust in in him and like it's just rightfully so it's not there right now because he hasn't he hasn't been pitching that well. Yeah, and it just seems like Natoli's a guy who like so, somehow some way there has to be a role for him on a postseason roster if they get there. Right, he's kind of he's kind of dirty. Maybe um, I think it's a thing where like maybe for the postseason roster, like you said, like Nick Nelson came in for that save, and if they planned to not start Nola in that rain delay game, maybe Nick Nelson starts because he's kind of their long man. Maybe you don't need him in a in a three game series in in the wild card round if if they yeah. make it there. Like you maybe don't need that long man. Um, to mop up innings, really. It's just not that important. Yeah, they optioned Christopher Sanchez after the game yesterday, and he was the one who came in after the rain delay in, in relief of NOLA, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, 
Athlon's going to be on the active roster, but they need to make a 40-man move. I'm hoping it's not Natoli because he feels like yeah, I don't think to at, at least keep around. I think it'll that'll be either some sort of someone gets moved to the 60-day maybe. Um, like Mark Appel's hurt. Maybe Ken Emanuel goes there. Um, that's my guess. Or it's somebody, somebody not on the major league team, I think, would just get yeah, DFA. That's that would be my guess, but um that'll be that'll be coming up before Tuesday's game, I would imagine. Well, not I'm it has to be done before Tuesday's game. Yeah. So that but you mentioned Eflin coming back. He was obviously one of the Phillies. He's their third starter coming into the season. Um, not going to be pitching like a regular starter. Maybe he starts some games, but looks like it'll be two innings, maybe. Or he could be used as a reliever moving forward. Um, what do you think is the best way to utilize him coming off injury? And then how do you think they actually will go about putting him in games and what his routine might be? Um, yeah. And, and just like what the addition of him kind of like, what does that mean for the depth? Do you think just putting things into place? Yeah. I think the starting with the best way to use him, I've heard a lot of piggyback talk and how they could pair him with like, well, maybe not yet, but once once Wheeler comes back, they could pair him with Falter, maybe even Ranger, Syndergaard, maybe if it was a playoff game, something like that, um, Kyle Gibson in a playoff game. I feel like that is the best way over the long run to use him just because, I mean, you want to get more than one or two innings out of him, it seems. He can probably go three or four. But you also have other guys there that are like pitching really well, like Falter. Um, maybe won't give you seven innings at a time, but could give you three or four pretty, pretty solid ones. So I think that would be a good way to use him as far as how he returns in the short term, like this upcoming week. It's I think Thompson said something like they're gonna plan to start him. I don't imagine that'll be anything more than four innings, absolute tops, but maybe two or three just to get him into the swing of things. And then once Wheeler comes back if they don't want to make too many moves in the in in the rotation. They're probably not going to go with a six man. They could move him to the pen and he could be like a sixth or seventh inning kind of guy. I, I don't really imagine they're going to wear him. They're going to use him all that much in the rest of the regular season unless things get super tight because, I don't know, it sounds like to have him back for the playoffs if they get there would be more useful than the innings that they could squeeze out of him in the regular season. They're probably just going to, you know, use him once or twice here, maybe in not super close games to get him more used to that role. But it seems like they, they only have so many, you know, um, they can only use him so much because you don't want to just bring a guy back and then wear him into the ground immediately, especially when the games, if they don't matter all that much in the next couple of weeks, you know, don't matter all that much in the next couple of weeks. So I would bet that they start him at first, get three innings out of him, two or three, piggyback somebody like Suarez or Falter. Even if it doesn't mean Suarez is like that guy from now on, maybe they just want to give him one turn through the rotation where he has a lighter workload because he's kind of, you know, hasn't looked all that great as of as of late. So that's what I would guess. I would guess that they move him to the pen relatively soon but i don't think they're gonna use him all that much until they like absolutely have to other than just getting him used to that role because it is good for him yeah so eflin i believe has made five relief appearances in his career 
Uh, the most notable being the last day of the season on 2020, where he's really good, but the Phillies were already losing. Um, he's allowed, yeah, in five appearances, he's allowed one run, I believe. So not a whole lot of experience, but I think like he can do it. Uh, maybe throws more breaking balls, and maybe the sinker has a little bit more, a little bit more power behind it. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that Eflin will be able to handle it. It'll just be a matter of getting the routine back. But he started it in um, – obviously, like, he started making the adjustment now where working back, he, he he's aware that he's not going to be um, a normal starter. But I don't know. I think, it'll, I think it'll work. I'm not that concerned. I think he'll be pretty effective in whatever – however they exactly decide to use him. Yeah, I like the role for him. I think I it's just one of those things where it's like, let's say for some reason, like he gets hurt again and they can't use him or he's just not effective in that role. It's like that sucks. Obviously, you don't want to see a guy get hurt. You don't want to see a guy get rocked. But it's not like that. I I don't think their season is going to ride on whether they can get a few innings out of Zach Eflin in the back of the pen. Like it seems like a very low risk. If it works great, that's a weapon to have, especially if he's throwing hard and he's, as you said, the stuff plays up when he has a smaller workload each each outing. But if it doesn't work for whatever reason, again, like I think they can piece it together without him. It would just be a really nice, uh, what's the word, luxury to have. If they yeah, can, uh, definitely, definitely. All right, do you want to do you want to touch on the lineup a little bit? Um, it's kind of gone through some changes and some things have happened over the homestand. They after. You know, after Harper first came back from the injured list, he was batting fourth for a while. The Phillies finally moved him back to third, where he had been pretty much his entire time with the Phillies so far. So Harper moves back to third. Schwarber still lead off, not much movement there. Any thoughts from you? Obviously, the lineup, it's not the most important thing in the world, but I guess what does it say to you that, Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber is still kind of that presence at the top that it seems like they're not going to move on from that, but they do make the call to switch Bryce Harper back to third instead of clean up. On the, on the Harper note, note, did you notice when they moved him back into the third spot in the lineup and when he finally hit that first home run back from the IL? It was the same uh, day, Friday. Yeah, you know, correlation, causation, they're always the same thing. As we know. Yeah. Or sorry, make that make that Saturday. Okay, sure. It's it's not like a bot, it's the direct, but you can't deny the like that's hard to ignore. They he was there for two or three weeks and he hadn't homeward and then he finally does. Whatever. I think there's something to that. You won't convince me. Otherwise, the fact that on that Saturday when when Harper homered in the three spot, um Bryson Stott was hitting cleanup and Schwarber was still in the leadoff spot, kind of um it, it almost makes it feel like it's not worth clamoring for Stott to be hitting leadoff anymore because if they're going to hit him clean up before they hit him leadoff when they have a guy in the leadoff spot who would be pretty well suited for the cleanup job, it seems like that's not going to happen because I, I didn't expect to see Bryson Stott in the four hole, but the fact that it happened makes me think they're never going to put him leadoff. Um, I, again, we've kind of I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I feel like Bryson Stott should be hitting leadoff. It, he's he profiles well there. He's been putting 
at bats he's been you know having some good at bats pretty much all throughout the last couple well months really but especially the last couple weeks he's been good there Schwarber has been I guess he's back to hitting homers he's like hit a couple in the last week which is good because he went a little bit without hitting one and then when you take the homers away from Kyle Schwarber you're not really getting a whole lot this year to be completely honest but if you were to switch those two like you have you have you have Stott leading off who's putting together good ABs, getting on base, all those kinds of things, hitting a lot of singles, running well. And then Schwarber, who's hitting homers, but not doing a whole lot else, which is fine if he's going to hit the homers. Like, that's what a leadoff hitter is, and that's what a cleanup hitter is. I get that this is like 2022, and it's modern analytical baseball, and you things have changed. But, like, how much have they really changed? I think it's still important to have a good – OBP guy in the leadoff spot and I don't care about his season totals because he's looked better in the last month or so whatever two months or so three months or so I don't know feels obvious again the fact that Stott was hitting cleanup and Schwarber was hitting leadoff makes me think it's never going to happen and oh well I guess I guess if you were to ask me like what the best version of this of this lineup is it would be Harper hitting third Schwarber leading off but like producing there so maybe they're just hoping that it'll finally work out, start working out in the last month and into the playoffs. And then that's when the Phillies are like at their best, because I do think at their peaks, Kyle Schwarber's a better leadoff hitter than Bryson Stott. But at some point, when are you going to stop expecting the regression to the mean? I don't know. It sounds like it's, yeah. they're going to stick with him. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And, you know, talking about Stott, I think another thing, that kind of happened with Stott over the last week. So was it Tuesday? The it was Tuesday. The Phillies were facing a lefty, and yeah. was it was it Patrick Corbin or? Uh no, they were playing the Marlins. I think it was. Um, oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it, it was, was the Marlins. Uh, let's see. Hold on, I have it right here. They were it facing was a, Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo, yeah. It they were facing they were facing a lefty. And Stott is not in the lineup. They go with Edmundo Sosa to play shortstop that day. And there's a lot of people really upset. I saw they were not understanding. Nathan just raised his hand. I'm pretty sure I to signify that um, he was upset. So (laughs) a lot of people were upset that Stott was not in the lineup, even though it was against a lefty. And, you know, I get it. He's been playing well recently, but then kind of always how it goes. Sosa hit an absolute bomb off Lazardo. Um, they hit the and, foul pole. It's a fraud. No, foul pole home runs are cool. So <laughs> no, he are. hit a home run off the foul pole. It was a big part in, in helping the Phillies win. And he hit a double. Yes. And then the next day, were they both in the lineup the next day? Was he was Sosa playing third? Mm. He might have been out of the lineup again. I think he, he was out of the lineup. I think, he, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was out of the lineup again, I'm pretty sure. And Sosa yeah, hit another home run. Sosa hit another home run, and then I think he had an infield single as well. And then also in these games, he he was, like, playing really good defense. And yeah. then the day after that, I think he played third base and stopped, played short. So Sosa, it, it always goes like this, where people are, are really upset. Like, oh, why is this bench guy – playing in the lineup over somebody and then they go off and it's really cool. I think, I think people were, people were happy to see that production from Sosa and he's a really good defender, like an exciting defender too. 
And to get some contribution from him was cool to see and funny how it turned out. Yeah, I still think the the reason why this all started, like Bryson Stott is slugging 100 points higher against lefties than he is against righties this year. So, okay, Sosa had a great week. I don't think Rob Thompson saw this coming. The fact that, like, I, I still think hi, taking sure hindsight out of it, Sure he huff? saw it coming. Sure he saw it coming. Okay. Taking hindsight out of it, like, objectively, Bryson's in, – in the moment, what everyone was thinking was probably true that Bryson Stott should have been in the lineup on Tuesday. However, I will give him credit once, you know, he got hot and he started hitting homers and he was playing great in the field. Like, you keep him in the lineup. Maybe there's a way to get Stott in there too, but whatever. So, yeah. I still think it's weird. It was a great week that Sosa had, obviously. Like he hit two homers, his first two homers in almost a year, which was just, he like tripled, hit two doubles, I think. And he played, he made a bunch of highlight reel plays at short. So it was, it was great. How at the same time, and this doesn't mean you keep Sosa out of the lineup because of this, but like Bryson Stock can hit lefties. Like, I don't get what, what we're doing here. Bryson, he, like, he can hit lefties. He's shown that he can hit lefties at the major league level F- against lefties. Like you find a way to get him into the lineup. If, if, if somebody else is hot and you want to keep him in the lineup, great. Put him at, I don't know, third or like find a way to just, I don't know. Bryson Stott, he's, he's, he feels like an somebody that should be playing every day at this point. It's, it's hard to have a problem with how they did the lineup the last week or so because of what happened that like crazy hot streak that, you know, everybody thought was going to happen, like, especially you Ty, apparently, but like, <laughs> the reason why it all started i still disagree with i'm not going to have any problems with it because maybe he didn't see it coming maybe he liked the matchups or maybe he i don't know whatever point is i think they should have more trust in bryson stott hitting lefties independent of whether sosa's playing or not it reminded me of that one game in 2019 when gabe kapler started jose perella um a game against a lefty and he batted like six. It was like late in September. The Phillies needed wins. And people were like, what are they doing? Starting Jose Perella, that this guy that they just picked up off waivers from the Padres. Why is he starting and why is he batting like six or whatever? And then he homered in the game. And it was really funny. That's also the kind of thing that like Gabe Kapler can do and would get grilled for. And Rob Thompson does. And it's, hey, maybe Bryson Stott should be playing, but let's see what happens. And then it, it works out. And it's like Thompson... He's he's the goat. He's so smart. And then Kapler would just get flamed all week for it. But yeah, yeah, you're right. These things you, do tend. But to happen. you get you get the benefit of the doubt when you take over and you win a lot of games. And yeah, it's, cap like it's just how it goes. Like yeah, when, for sure. When, and so I think yeah, Thompson can be like I don't know. Maybe he's earned it at this point. I think even though he's not even a full season deep, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I I probably agree. Stott should be. He's earned some trust, but um, I think whatever the case, even if he's even if he gets a day off here and there, fine. If Sosa's going to do what he's been been doing of late, when he's playing, when Stott's playing, he should be hitting leadoff, not cleanup. What are we doing, right? Stott hitting cleanup. Anyway, I don't know about. Whatever. I would, I would still consider Real Muto leadoff right now against certain matchups. Okay, he's yeah, I like really that. Well, that could be good. There, but... there is some, there is some, some element of like. I don't really want to mess with what real Muto has been doing recently. You That's fair to keep him, but I don't know if I fully believe in that either. So like, 
I'm not going to stand by that if if one day he's hitting lead off or something. All right. I have I have one more thing that I wanted to touch on um, before we wrap this up. So right now, the Phillies bench situation, we mentioned they have Sosa. They have Dalton Guthrie kind of playing and coming off the bench a little bit, like a little bit of a platoon. Maton's in that same situation. They have Donnie Sands still. I he's still on the team, right? Like he hasn't really played. <laughs> so like their bench situation, yeah. their bench situation's a little weird right now. And Derek Hall is in AAA playing every day. And I just wanted to to see. Do you think Derek Hall will be up before the end of the season? That that's my my question for you. Was he? They didn't. He's not eligible for the postseason because they didn't have him on the active roster. But no, no, he the... he is, he is. Oh, he is. Yeah, because he was on the forty man. Yeah, yeah. I like to be completely honest. Like, I don't really care about the bench. Like with the DH and everything. Like they're gonna start once a week, and like they're not really gonna make any moves in game. So I don't so know if you need to here, have a super like robust bench. But here's where here's where I disagree because presumably you'd think. Nick Castellanos is going to be out for the first round of the playoffs because he's injured. And then if it's a that situ- long, do they think it'll be that long? I don't, they didn't really say, but the playoffs is like three weeks away. Does it seem like Castellanos is going to be back? When he, when he first went on the IL, I guess they did place him on the IL. It didn't sound like anything that would keep him out super long they said he i mean thompson's kept on saying it was super mild and but i don't know i guess like well, that's what they he said, said about he zach said he wheeler back. And he was supposed to miss two starts and now he's yeah he's still not back so he said he said he would be back when the when the il days allow it which would be tomorrow i think and it doesn't it sound like he's gonna doesn't be sound back, like he's so. back so maybe i'm wrong but i think if if you're in a spot where cassianos isn't back maybe i'm wrong and he is back but if he's not, then I think like having somebody who can have some power off the bench is, is pretty important there because they're going to be starting like two of Veerling and Veerling and Guthrie and like Maton at a time where it might be a little, the lineup just might be a touch thin. Maybe Cassianos is back and what I just said makes no sense but did you just use nick maton as a way to bolster your argument about the lineup being thin no that that's not a slight of of nick maton at all because i think he's i think he's good but just in in general like if there's a spot in there's a spot where they feel like they need a homer or something in a playoff game i hall's probably the best bet of anyone so i think what the i guess the plan right now is like he going to get a chance to play every day in triple a and they probably bring him back up for the last week of the season maybe the last series of the season i think he'll be at yeah they at should point. they should definitely bring him back up with some time to go so he can at least see major league pitching before they use him in a potential playoff game but yeah you're right the the lineup does lack a little thump i guess especially if bryce harper's not really homering but he did that well, he's. I take that back. He's back in the in the in the three spots, and that's not a problem anymore. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to have Derek Derek call back. I do think it's important, like in the short term, for the next week or so, week and a half, maybe two weeks. He's not going to be getting many at bats at the major league level right now, probably. 
especially because he's not going to play a corner outfield spot or anything like that. So it is good to get him the at-bats in AAA, but yeah, you don't want to call him up like right before the playoffs and then be like, go be Matt Stairs when you haven't seen yeah. Major League pitching in a month. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to, like Donnie Sands is not going to be on the playoff roster, it doesn't seem. No. So, so I guess that's that's my big thing. Like, I think Hall will be on the team again at some point, probably yeah. in place of, of Sands. Maybe it makes them a little lefty heavy still, but so be it. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, because again, you have lefties. All these lefties can hit lefties like Stott, like, like Maton, like Stubbs, like Harper. So whatever. For sure. Um, all right. You have anything else you want to, you want to add? I think you told Not me really. something, I guess something just a, like standings related or something. Yeah. I, 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 I love playing the, the playoff seating game. Cause I think it's so fun to think about just some food for thought. Um, if the Brewers fall out of the race and the Mets take over the East. So it's Dodgers one Brewers. Two, sorry. Dodgers one Mets two Cardinals, three Braves, four, the Phillies went four and 15 against the Mets this year, and they won the season series versus the Dodgers. The Padres went four and 12 against the Dodgers this year and won the season series against the Mets four to two. So if it's a matter of those two teams only for the five and six spots, there's some mutual interest here in the Padres tanking, taking over that six spot, the Phillies getting the five so that in a potential NLDS, the Padres play the Mets, whom they can beat, and the Phillies play the Dodgers, whom they can beat, rather than, than the opposite, which neither can beat. Food for thought, a couple of weeks ago, we said the Phillies should tank, and they said okay, and went one in five on the West Coast. So apparently they listened to the pod. Maybe the Padres listened to the pod too. They should tank, get that six seed, because I don't think the Brewers are going to be, well, I guess I shouldn't say that right now, because they did make up like a game and a half in one day the other day. So if they fall out and the Mets take over the West, the, the the East, which I do think will happen, Padres tank. I don't know. Food for thought. I think at least for the Phillies, like you said, you're like, oh, maybe they benefit from moving down. And then they took some steps to try moving down. Then we realized, eh, maybe they should just get in. Maybe they should it was just a get little, in. The it was a little too close for comfort, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I think that I think they, if they are listening, I think the message to the Phillies would be your best bet is just getting into the postseason. And it doesn't exactly matter which spot. <laughs> Although it would feel a little underwhelming if they played the Mets in the first round and just lost two games at City Field. Maybe. Eh, whatever. It'd be fine. Maybe. Yeah. Just, I think just I make think it. For- for this year i think it's just about making it yeah, all right i think true. that'll do it for this episode thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you next time